In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. At this point in my life, I'm becoming concerned about my memory, how well it functions or not. Last week I bought a book that I intend to read, but which I think I should have written by Sue Halperin, titled, Can't Remember What I Forgot. (laughs) That's me, increasingly. And so I'm not sure, but I don't think I can remember a more glorious, more grace-filled, more sublime passage in Holy Scripture than the one you just heard as our epistle this morning. That passage from St. John's first epistle of the three that he wrote. There are single sentences in the Holy Bible that are astounding, unforgettable, transforming, celestial. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And God saw all that he had made, and God said that it was good. Neither life, nor death, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing matches the glory and the majesty of those brief sentences. They are utterly unmatched, and there are others as well. But in terms of a sustained, ongoing, deeply theological passage, nothing, at least nothing I can remember, matches this one we heard this morning. I do remember that a part of why I love it so, why I revere it and bow before it, is that it presents a faith I desperately want as my own, a God I hope is my God and the real God. St. John presents a life and a response to life in Christ that is closer to perfection than anything else I can imagine. My deepest, fondest prayer, my greatest hope, is that St. John is right, and I believe he is. In fact, I'm betting my life on it, literally. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God. In this is love, not that we first loved God, but that he loved us and gave himself for us. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. That is more glorious, more radiant than anything I have ever read or thought or even prayed. I am astounded. I am sailing to the heights of heaven. And then I hit a rock. My tire blows out, and I'm stuck on the side of the road, wishing I could remember the number for AAA. (laughs) God is love, and those who abide in love 
Abide in God. I then hear faintly, possibly only in my imagination, or possibly the secrecy of my soul, I hear a somewhat weary and cautious St. John saying to me, But Billy, how can you say you love God, whom you have not seen, if you don't love your brother and sister, whom you have seen? Well, you see, St. John, that's the problem with my brother. I have seen him. (laughs) And I don't like him. And that ain't my fault. No one does. Am I supposed to love him? Or then I don't really love God? My well-meaning, kind-hearted friends offer me consolation and encouragement. Well, they say, nodding wisely, remember the Bible says you have to love everyone. It doesn't say you have to like everyone. They mean this seriously. Worse, many people offer that statement as though it were wise and insightful rather than problematic, incomprehensible, intellectually indefensible, and, well, you know, crazy. If a woman said to me, I love my husband, don't like him, he certainly doesn't like me, can't stand each other, but we love each other. Couples counseling, that's what I'd suggest. (laughs) If a well-dressed, obviously successful and accomplished man smilingly mentioned to me, I am so blessed, I just love my job, don't like it, don't like it at all, but I certainly do love it. I would murmur something vague like, oh my, that's difficult. What I would be thinking is, I surely hope your job, this job you love but don't like, doesn't depend on possessing any analytical intelligence because you don't got none. (laughs) We have to love everyone, but that doesn't mean we have to like everyone. I think that's an attempt to wiggle out of an uncomfortable position, an impossible situation. I guess I could see how you could, in some bizarre theoretical way, theoretically love someone you don't even like. But our Lord isn't talking theory. He never is. Jesus never streams out puzzling riddles. Oh, no, another crazy koan from Jesus. Oh, haiku. No, you never have to guess what Jesus might be saying. It's always pretty clear. You don't have to wonder. When he speaks of love, it is not some crazy, silly, self-contradictory caricature of love that doesn't even include liking. When he speaks about love, he is talking about demonstrable love, obvious love, noticeable love, Love that changes and transforms and saves and redeems like his. The teaching of Jesus, what our Lord said to his disciples, which St. John heard for himself and to which he refers in that epistle and which he will quote next week in the gospel, the original quotation, which we will hear next week, is, This is my commandment, says Jesus, 
that you love one another as I have loved you. I really don't think our Lord is commanding us to love one another by relying on some really bizarre definition of love that doesn't include liking, has nothing to do with it. But it is, I agree, an impossible situation. Love on command. A tricky business with not much chance of success, at least in my case. Am I going to love someone, really love them, just because God expects it? Will I really be able to love everyone, everyone in the world, just because our Lord commanded me to do so? If I'm really devout, I want to. I may want to keep that commandment, but am I going to? Can I? It is God's intention that I love everyone. Oops, just slipped off into going easy on myself once again. It is not simply God's intention, God's dear, sweet, kindly intention. It is God's commandment that I love all my brothers and sisters. It is direct, utterly clear, and there is no use trying to get it to say something it doesn't say contrary to what it says. What am I to do? What am I going to do? There are people I do not like in this world, never will. Am I supposed to love them? And surely not just love them with some parody of love that doesn't involve liking, just, you know, loving. One place to start, not a great place, but a place, is to admit that I'm not going to love everyone. But I'm resolved to act as though I do. Wait a second. I know that sounds like the ultimate in hypocrisy, complete dishonesty, but please give me just another moment before you close me down. Hear me out for just a moment longer. Actually, you don't have much choice in the matter. Dr. Goldstrom has the wherewithal at his fingertips to drown me out. But since he's the one who scheduled that first hymn, God is Love, I think he's with me on this one. So here's what I'm thinking. I need to admit that I am not going to love everyone, especially those I don't even like. But I'm resolved to act as though I do. I'm not saying pretend you love, but act as though you love. It's only a tiny semantic difference, but I think there is a difference, a real and possibly helpful difference. If you can love everyone, absolutely everyone, wonderful. Jesus loves everyone, and if you can emulate him, go and do thou likewise, if you can. Send me an Instagram, I'd like some proof. If you can't love everyone, everyone, just as much as Jesus did and does, well then please don't change his commandment. Rewrite it so that you can declare you are keeping it. That, I think, is hypocrisy. But we can act as though we love in this fashion. Silently, secretly, only to myself, in my heart, I say, I don't love this person, don't even like him, can't stand her, 
Who could? But if I did love this person, what would my reaction be? If I did love this person, what would I say and not say? If I did love this person, what would I do and not do? How would I treat him? What kindness and regard would I show her if I loved her? And then try my best to have my actual treatment of that person partake of some of that fantasy. I know my feelings so often influence my behavior. Maybe it could be, might be, that my behavior could end up influencing my feelings. Behaving better might make me feel better about others. And, well, then, about myself as well. That's not great, but that's better than calmly averring, I do love God, and I'm a devout Christian, and I can't stand that jerk. <laughs> but then I don't have to stand him, don't even have to like him. I only have to love him, and that, of course, I do. No, 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 no. As Christians, we are called to so many things, and some of it is really very difficult to put into practice. If you are already well advanced in holiness, you might want to concern yourself with some of the trickier bits. But for the rest of us, we need only focus on the fact that we are first off called to do one basic thing, to abide in love, and so abide in God. For God is love. And we are to live out that abiding love by loving one another as he loves us. If I could treat all my brothers and sisters, all of them, as though I loved them, maybe that effort might actually start to change my feelings about them. And I might start to feel love for those I thought I didn't even like. And then maybe, as a result of that, I might even start to feel a little love for myself and then at last be able to just relax and abide in love and so abide in God, for God is love. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.